Good morning, church family. I know we're going to hit the lights on, and uh, we're glad that you're here with us. We're going to jump into the text uh, pretty fast here. So if you have your Bible, if you brought it with you, we'll turn on the lights so that you can see. And uh, grateful that you're here today. We've been in a series, and it's been called Rebuild. We're in the seventh week of this series. And um, normally I don't like doing long series because I, you know, kind of like maybe lose the steam, but I felt like this is what God wants to do throughout the summer. Uh, we're in our last week of our 50-day fast. We've been in a fast, and uh, we conclude the fast on July 25th. Can you believe it's been almost 50 days since we launched this fast? And uh, so hopefully, prayerfully, you're getting out of it uh, good things and getting closer to Jesus. So I want to jump into the text because I want to leave some time on the back end uh, to pray together. All right. So we're going to be in Nehemiah. This is where we've been studying the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 4 is where we're going to be. If you brought your Bible, Nehemiah chapter 4. And I'm excited. I love hearing the pages turn. But unfortunately, because of the phone device, we just turn on the phones. It's fine. Amen. We're going to start off with Nehemiah chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 1 through 6. We studied these last week. And here's what Nehemiah 4, 1 through 6, I'll read it straight through. I want you to know, and we talk about this on our Meet Brave lunch when we get together for lunch and you get to know the staff and stuff, but our DNA, our heart is that we say it this way, that people would know God better and make him known by the way they live. So when you exit and you see know God and make him known, that's what it means. It's to know God better. It comes from Ephesians 1.17. Paul prays for the church of Ephesus that the body would know him better. And that's our heart. So my hope today, as I give you this word, that it helps you know God better. That's my hope. All right, now that I've said it. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1. When Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry, was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, the Jews, sorry. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite who was at his side, said, what are they building? Even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. I want you to hear this rebuke from the enemy, like calling the names and talk about their weaknesses and how they're not able to do these things and pointing out all of their flaws. Verse 4, hear us, O our God, we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. Do not cover up their guilt or blot out their sins from your sight. For they have thrown insults in the face of the builders. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. For the people worked with all of their heart. And that's where we stopped last week. We talked about the other things. Don't allow other things to get in the way of the one thing that God wants to do through you and in your life. And the Jewish people around this building of this wall continue to push on towards the work. And that's where we left off. It was like a movie where, you know, the enemy is defeated. Then there's the great win or the great victory and the movie ends. But that's not how life goes. Just because you decide to 
keep pushing on forward doesn't stop the enemy from keep attacking. Like the story goes on. So verse 7 is where we're going to pick up. Nehemiah didn't allow other things to get in the way of the building. They kept on working. They had settled the call. But their settling of the calling and their persistence didn't stop the enemy from attacking. I want you to notice also it says in verse 1 that the enemy became angry, by the way. I want you to see something today. This is how I want, I want you to learn something today about how Satan works. I want you to see the parallel in Nehemiah chapter 4 of Sanballat, the enemy of Nehemiah. And I want you to see the parallel of Satan behind it. Okay, I want, I want you to see that. I want you to see, just consider this and how Satan attacks you is the same way Sanballat attacked Nehemiah. Because ultimately it was Satan behind Sanballat trying to stop God's purposes from prevailing. Remember, the two are always at war with one another. And I want you to see that. And I want you to see that Sanballat is angry about the Jewish people rebuilding this wall for God. I want you to understand that there's an enemy that's angry every time you take a step in God's direction. Like, you, you got to turn on the light. I want the light to come on today for you. If it's not on, I want to turn it back on for you. I want to remind you there is an enemy, Satan, who wants to do everything he possibly can to prevent you from building the wall that God has called you to build in your life. And he's angry every time you take a step in, his, in God's direction. So verse 7, if that didn't like, make you excited about showing up to church today, I don't know what will. Woo! So glad we're here today. Did you see, uh, by the way, in verses 1 through 6, like how Satan brought lies to the table? We know Satan is the great deceiver, right? He's the great liar. And he points out the weaknesses. He points out what they're incapable of accomplishing. You feeble Jews, you're a single mom, you can't do this, okay? No one likes you there. You're not going to grow there. You don't have any friends. You're not able. Like, just whatever possible voice could come into your mind to, like, tear you down. Do you see it? I need you to see this today. Satan tells the lies. He puts them down. He points out every area they lack in. What Satan never does, and I'm taking, I know I'm doing this. I'm taking Sanballa, and I'm using the word Satan but I'm asking you to follow me on this. Satan will never tell you the truth. He'll always give you the lie. So he points out where they lack, but he never points out the truth, which is that it was God behind the whole thing who lacks nothing. Did you hear what I just said? Then I should get some like, oh, amen to that. Okay, I get that. Yeah. Oh, Okay. I see what you're saying there. It just helps me know that you're following me on this. That's all it is. It's not like trying to applaud, applaud me. It's the amen. It's the like, okay, I get it. I, I'm with you. Does that make sense? Thank you. Um, the enemy is so good at pointing out all the areas of which you lack, but he'll never remind you about the God that you serve who lacks nothing. 
There you go. Now you got it. See? That's how it works. All right. I titled the message, Run to the Closet. If you're taking notes on the back of your connection card somewhere, there's the big section that says notes. That's for you to write, and the pen is there so you can write down. Okay? All right. I titled the message, Run to the Closet. If you notice, I've been titling my messages around the one thing I want you to walk away with every single week. Have you noticed? Last week, it was the other things. The week before that, July 4th, it was the next to thems. Do you remember? Yeah, good. (laughs) All right. So run to the closet. I want you to all be like people who run to the closet. You'll know where I'm going with this. Verse 7. I'll get there. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the people of Hashdod heard that the repairs to Jerusalem's walls had gone on ahead. So they're, they're moving forward even in the face of their enemy. And that the gaps were being closed. Look at this says. Now remember the enemy was angry at first. And now he's, come on church, very angry. Okay. So they, in the first verse it was Sanballat who came to attack. And when Satan, and I'm, you're going to see me do this throughout this whole teaching today. When Satan attacks you and you win that battle, he only brings all of his troops back to keep fighting against you. So they all plotted together then. So Satan and his demons come and they start plotting ways. Because in other words, I didn't get you off the wall the first time. So I'm just going to come back stronger the second time. And I'll keep coming until eventually I get you to stop. I don't know if you know this, but you are constantly in a fight every single day. Um, anybody feel like they're in a fight every day at all? I love the fans. It makes me feel like we're, you know, you know, like back in the day. You know what I mean? It makes me feel. Ooh, need a hanky up here. Okay, there's a. All right, (laughs) they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. So when Sanballat's first attempt didn't work, he only came back with more troops. I want you to see that. So that's why you'll give your life to Jesus and then all hell breaks loose literally the following week. Have you ever obeyed God and the following week was like the worst week of your life? See, you took a step in God's direction, and then Satan said, oh, yeah, I'm going to bring back more troops next time to get you off your wall. That's good news, right? Yeah, great. Appreciate it. Okay, so let's learn from Nehemiah. What did Nehemiah do? This is where I want you to know God better. I want to empower you. I hope you walk out of here encouraged and uplifted. That's what I want for you. Like, uh, an army and God's soldier kind of, you know, like, or a person in God's, like, I, I can do this. A soldier in God's army, I should say. Like, I feel empowered now. I know how to fight that off now. That's what I want for you. All right. Verse 9, I highlighted this in my Bible when I was reading through it and studying for this message a few weeks back, and I circled this in my Bible, and it was these three words. Verse 9, but we prayed. But we prayed, which is interesting because in the context of Nehemiah 4, it's a physical issue. 
Nehemiah is trying to build a wall in a city. And the governor, physical realm, has come in and said, no. Okay? We're not going to let you do this. The king of the land had said, yes, you can. But the governor said, you can't. So it's a physical issue. They're trying to physically build a wall. They're laying physical bricks. So it's a physical thing and it's attacked in the physical world. Yet, Nehemiah's solution is to go into the spiritual world. Think about that for just a minute. Think about all the physical battles you face in your life. And Nehemiah's solution is run to the closet. One of the reasons you have a hard time, and I have a hard time, overcoming all the physical things in the world, the, the worry, the doubt, the bills, the finance, all these physical things is because we haven't gone first to the closet to get the right perspective so we can defeat the enemy. I'm just trying to show you how Nehemiah won the war ultimately against the physical enemy. Think about all the physical breakthroughs that you're missing out on because you don't run to the closet. There's physical breakthroughs that God wants to do through your life, but because you don't go to the closet, but we prayed, because you don't go to the closet to pray, you miss out on the physical rewards. I mean, but we prayed, which is interesting. If you go back to verses 1 through 6, what did Nehemiah do the first time the enemy started to speak death into what he was trying to accomplish? You feeble Jews, you can't do this, you, you build a terrible wall. Verse 4, hear us, our God, hear us, our God, we're despised. In other words, Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4, he runs to the closet. The enemy comes back even stronger, and Nehemiah says, I know how I got the first way there. I went to the closet first. Now we're halfway. Now you're coming back stronger. I'm going back to the closet. But we prayed to our God, and we posted a guard day and night. And I love this line. I love it. Meet the threat. Are you meeting, I thought about titling the message, meeting the threat, because I wanted you to walk out of here and meeting the threat of your enemy. Meet the threat. Would you go to war against Satan today with me? For your life, for your children, for your marriage, for your soul? Just like, meet the threat. So Nehemiah goes and he prays. Each time the enemy came, Nehemiah countered attack with the same response. He prayed. Before Nehemiah would allow himself to get discouraged, he would meet with God. God's words are true and full of life. That's what Jesus said. I've come to give you a life of abundance, a full life. Like I have good things for you. So it's a life of this abundance thing. It's, I want to give you life. I want to give you hope. I want to give you joy. And Satan wants nothing more than to keep you from time with God. Because it's in our conversations with God where courage is birthed. How many times did Jesus say, and all through Scripture, and I don't have the exact answer. I could Google it and probably find the answer. But 
don't be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. 365, that's right, for every day. One for every day. That's right, I remember saying that. You read your Bible. <laughs> I believe in my, like, I can feel it in my spirit. This is for me too, by the way. So I'm sitting in the seat with you. I'm learning the lesson. Discouragement. has beat you down so much you the enemy doesn't even have to fight you because you're doing it to yourself is there anyone here that I, I need to know this now because I want freedom for you okay are you discouraged at all raise your hand if you, if you feel like you know, see, raise your hand well, raise it high so people can see it come on as high, like as high as you can I know it's hot and got the armpits with me. Yeah. Okay. So if your hands are up, thank you. Um, all right. Do not be discouraged. Can I speak that to you today? Stop being discouraged. Scripture says perfect love drives out fear. Scripture also says Satan goes around like a roaring lion looking to who he can devour. So here you have God who drives out fear, and yet Satan is the one who instills it in you. God does not give you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. I need you to get this lesson today. I know it. The Holy Spirit needs you to get this in you today. God does not give you a spirit of fear. Power, love, and a sound mind. Satan instills fear. Gotten, God puts faith in there. He puts courage in there. Here's the point. Both fear and faith cannot be in the same heart at the exact same time. Did you know that? You can't have fear and faith in the same place. They're, they're opposites. So you're either full of fear or you're full of faith. Which one are you? And it's a fight every day to not succumb to discouragement, to impression, Anxiety, worry. Has anyone defeated worry so much that you don't worry ever, 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 ever? What you have discovered probably is what I've discovered. It's a daily fight. You can have a great morning and a terrible evening. Have you noticed that? I woke up full of faith, but I went to bed full of fear. What that should tell you is the necessity of God's view of it consistently Every minute of every day. It's what Paul says, pray without ceasing. Always in communion with me. Because when you're communion with me and the enemy tries to instill fear and discouragement in you, it's like deflection immediately. But the moment you let your guard down, discouragement takes over. A lie can be birthed in your head so fast. I mean, we are, and this is me, by the way, we are so easily deceived. You had a great day, show up to work, and then all of a sudden a thought comes to your mind about an employee next to you or something, something, something. And before you know it, you're having a conversation with yourselves about, about no one likes you, no one cares for you, you're completely alone, like in a second. Have you noticed how fast your mind can go from full of faith to full of fear? So fast. Man, it's like, 
how the enemy consistently tries to probe at you to get you off your wall. Fear paralyzes you. Faith moves you. Both fear and faith, by the way, are contagious. Do you remember when 10 people discouraged all the people of Israel from entering the promised land in Numbers 32 verse 9? Numbers 32 verse 9, I don't think we have it up, but the Israelites are told, you're the promised land is yours. And 10 spies, 10 of the 12, 10 go over and say, it can't happen. And it spreads throughout all of God's people. Fear is contagious. So in a marriage, sometimes this happens with me and my wife. I have noticed as a, as a husband and my wife, I've noticed that when I'm fearful, it's contagious in her. I've also noticed that when I'm full of faith, the faith goes into her as well. That's how you can have one spouse who's like, come on, we could, God is good, you know. And then it's trying to like, it's like a tension between the two spouses, full of fear, full of faith. It's contagious. It's contagious to your children. I remember one time our daughter, our oldest daughter, we have four but children, but our oldest daughter one time was like, I'm just worried that the bills won't work out. I'm like, She was worried about the bills or about finances. You know what that was an indicator to me? She was just picking up what I was putting down, so to speak. Right? Like the fear. And I immediately come back with, wait, man, we tithe. We're good, girl. What's your problem? You know, I'm trying to. And in that moment, faith overcomes me, right? My trust in God's word. If I'm faithful to him, it'll be faithful to me and all that. So. What I knew was she wasn't like, she has never seen a bill. So it was contagious. Your home is an opportunity to be contagious, either fear or faith. It's contagious. But we prayed. Verse 10. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. Now look at this. It's not Nehemiah talking. It's the people in Judah, which I love. So we don't know the names, but the crowd started to move in a different direction. So Nehemiah is a man who's full of faith, but the people that he's leading are becoming discouraged. So the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. These are the people who once said, yes, Nehemiah, we'll do this. This is awesome. God's with us. We're going to accomplish it. And now they're halfway there, and they say the words, we can't do it. It's too much. The project is too big. The secret is in verse 11, which I highlighted for you. Also, our enemy said, did you catch what I just showed you? Did you catch it, church? It's okay if you can shake your head and say, no, I didn't get it yet. Anybody catch what just happened there? Catch it? How about you didn't catch it? You're like, no, not yet. Come on, where's my humble people? Amen. Okay. Also, our enemy said, before they know it, 
or see us, we will be right there among them and we'll kill them and we'll put an end to that work. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us 10 times over, in other words, over and over and over again, wherever you turn, they will attack you. So the people begin to question the call. Notice they spoke what the enemy had spoken. Okay. When you repeat what the enemy speaks, it only draws you down further. Even in your mind. They were speaking what the enemy had spoken. Here's the indicator. I want you to notice this. Their eyes had shifted from being on God to on themselves and to on their problem. When your eyes shift from your eye on God to your eye on yourself and your problem, you are speaking the enemy's language. Because all Satan wants to do is to take your eyes off God. Take your eyes off, take your ears out, whatever God has spoken, don't listen to that. Listen to yourself Follow your heart. You ever heard the line, follow your heart? No. It's the worst thing you can do to follow your heart. The reason you're in crazy amount of debt is because you followed your heart. Amen? Amen. But that purse, <laughs> it's like $800 purse, but it's like a, ah. Oh. You understand my point. You followed your heart. The Bible says the heart is deceptive. Above all that means it's deceptive. You're so good at deceiving yourself. The enemy said, the enemy said, they just repeated what the enemy had said. Satan doesn't have to get you to look at him. Watch this. I need you to get this. You ready, church? See, most of you in the room aren't Satan worshipers. So you go, well, I'm not a Satan worshiper. You know, I don't worship Satan. Look at me. Satan does not have to get you to look at him to look away from God. So Satan knows, I'm probably not going to turn you into an atheist. I, Satan knows, I'm probably not going to turn you to worship me. But I'll get you to turn away from him. So my goal, I'm just going to get you to turn away from him. You could do that, by the way, right here in church and whatever church you're ever in. You could be sitting there and be criticizing the person communicating. <laughs> Come on. I know. I, I've sat in your seat. I get it. You could criticize the person communicating God's word and you never hear God's word because you're so busy looking somewhere else. Observing, looking, critiquing, judging. See, Satan doesn't have to get you to look at him to look away from what God is trying to say to you. He just wants you to miss it. Run to your closet. It says, then the Jews who lived near them came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they'll attack us. By the way, all Satan has to get you to do is get you to focus on your problems. Anytime 
You want to overcome discouragement. Here's what you do. You stop focusing on yourself and your problems and you fix your eyes back on God. That's why Philippians 4.8 says, think about these things. You say, what things? Go read it. Philippians 4 verse 8. And I could tell you those things, but I'm not going to tell you those things because I want you to go read it. Philippians 4.8. Think about these things. Things that are lovely. Amen. We've got a Bible reader in the house. It will spread like fire. We have multiple. I believe it. Things that are pure. Think about these things. Things that are true. It's a shifting of the way you think. So to help his people not be defeated by the enemy, Nehemiah does a few things to help them win the battle in the building. There's a battle in every building, by the way. You're building a family. You're building a job. You're building, a th- you're building something. We're building a church. We're building a body. You're building something. There's going to be a battle in every building. So verse 13, look what Nehemiah does. Therefore, so the enemy attacks him, and he's trying to get him off the wall, and he goes and he prays. Now, following his prayer, after praying, after getting with God, after kind of getting an understanding, here's what he does. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall. I wonder where he got this idea from. So, at the exposed places, posting them by the families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles and the officials and the rest of the people, I wonder where he's heard these words. I wonder where he got these words from. Words that God has spoken throughout Scripture over and over again. And his first line is the same words of Jesus over and over again. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord. Remembering the Lord is the prescription drug, if you would, for being fearful. Remember the Lord. Number one, remember the Lord. When you're discouraged, up against opposition, in a moment, you've got to remember the Lord. He says, who is great and is awesome. And by the way, the second thing he says is to fight for your family, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. In other words, number two, remember who you're fighting for. So... How do you overcome discouragement? Remember the Lord. Remember why you're fighting. How do you keep pushing forward when it feels like everything you're trying to build isn't progressing the way that you hoped and thought? It's not the pace you wished it was. It's not moving in the place you thought it was going to move. You thought by now you'd be here, you'd be there. But then it's like it's stuck there. What do you do? And discouragement is overcome. And I'm talking about your faith. I'm talking about your faith in Christ. When it feels like, man, I'm doing things, I'm stepping in God's direction, but it feels like I'm, I don't even know if I can move forward anymore. I don't know if it's going to happen. How do you do it? Remember the Lord and remember what you're fighting for. This is what Nehemiah tells the Jewish people. He recasts the vision. So, when you're debating about running to your closet, Please let me say this to you. My heart is for this here. When when you get at a place where your priorities get out of whack or something goes wrong, would you just pause and remember the Lord and, and why you go to the closet? What you're fighting for? What are you fighting for? Your marriage, your children their children and like salvation, the souls, the family, your brother, your sister, you know, remember what you're fighting for. 
It's so important you go back to remember what you're fighting for. As a church, we have to remember what we're fighting for. Every time we set up, we tear down, we build, we, it's remember what you're fighting for. When our enemies heard, did you know that Satan knows what's happening in your life? Are you aware of that? Did you know that Satan knows what's happening in your life? He knows. When our enemies heard that we were aware, did you know Satan watches you pray? Every time you pray, it makes him angry. And he will do whatever he can to get you not to pray. Do you know how powerful prayer is? It is the most powerful weapon that you have in your arsenal as a follower of Jesus. Because it's where you get God's heart. It's where Nehemiah started for 120 days, right? Four months. That's why praying is so easy and yet it's the most difficult thing that you ever do in your calendar in a week. The most challenging thing for most of us as followers of Jesus is carving out time for Jesus. Do you know why that is? Because if I can get you for the most important thing in your life, I win the rest of the war. If prayer was not so powerful, Satan wouldn't be worried. Satan is not even worried about you showing up to church. He's more concerned about you running to your closet than he is about you running to sit in a seat at a church. Did you hear that? You can have great Sunday attendance, and I don't think Satan cares so much as long as Monday through Saturday you stay quiet. That's why it's like the hardest thing to fit in your calendar is time with Jesus. It is so hard to fit time with Jesus in your calendar. Please raise your hand if you're with me and like me that that's a struggle for you. It's hard because it's the one thing Satan doesn't want you to do. That's why it's the hardest thing to fit in. Because it's where the victory is won. When our enemies heard that we were aware of the plot, I love this line, and that God had frustrated it. <laughs> God frustrates Satan. God, God frustrates them. Like, he's trying to destroy you, Satan. But God comes in and frustrates the plan that Satan had. And he turns it around. And you start to live the life that God has for you, and it frustrates them. You know what, you know what frustration is? Frustration is I'm angered by something I can't control and I can't do anything about. It's a picture of the enemy. My hands are tied. I've already lost the war. And now you're frustrating me because I can't do anything about it. You're too powerful. He makes them angry and he frustrates them. I love that picture of Satan frustrated today. I think Satan got frustrated when you showed up today even maybe. And he's going to be frustrated when you run to your closet tonight or tomorrow morning. Be frustrated. And he'll be frustrated when God takes over your life and your marriage and becomes number one. It's going to frustrate him. I hope we have some people who are willing to frustrate Satan. You want to frustrate him? I'm frustrating him now. But frustration is you can't do anything to me. 
he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. Nana, nana, boo, boo, you know. <laughs> Do you want to finish it? Stick. Do you remember that? God frustrated it because each time Nehemiah went to God in prayer, God began to shift the plans of the enemy. Deuteronomy 20 verse 4 says, For the Lord your God is the one who, gives, who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. God wants to give you victory in your life. I believe it. But it's going to be one in the closet. We'll invite the band up. We're going to go into a time of prayer. And this is where, for me, I want to give you my heart in this teaching today. When I was called to plant the church, there was a word that was spoken to me by God, I believe, through a guy who was preaching. And it's when I got called to plant the church, you know, in 2015. And um, the word that I got from God for me was you're going to make it. And then it followed up with, don't get bogged down by trials. And I think I've shared this before. Don't get bogged down by trials. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. I can't tell you how many times I've had to come back to that line. I've had to run back to my closet and reread those words that I wrote down. Every time it feels like we're not going to make it, which has been so many times in this five-year journey where you think about giving up, you think about quitting, you think about, gosh, the church would be better off if, you know, there's so many better churches around or the teachers and stuff and like just all the discouragement can come my way. How in the world are we going to do this, do that? That's, I mean, this is so big. I look at the prices of land. Look at the prices of the buildings. Lord, is this ever going to happen? And it's not like just the building is like the finish line. It's like, is this ever going to get, when is this going to stop? And it's just all the discouragement can come my way. I can't tell you how many times I've had to run back to my closet, pick up my journal, and reread the words. You're going to make it. Don't get bogged down by trials. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. You're going to make it. And each and every time I walk out of that closet different. Even last night, this is what I want to share with you because I want you to get this. Last night, I was like so discouraged. The sermon that I just preached to you was not written. It was around 8.30 at night, 9 o'clock at night. I'm in my closet in my house because I am I actually pray in my closet. I'm not saying you have to pray in your closet. It's just where I pray. And it's practical because there's three locks to get to the closet. Amen. So I chose the most secure place because before children, you have to hide, you know. So the bedroom one, the bathroom one, and then the closet one all have locks. So closet. So I'm in my closet and I call in Carissa. I'm so filled with discouragement. I call Carissa and I say, I need you to pray with me. So we get on our knees and I'm like, and I say this words. I'm like, man, we're going to, is God done with me? We're going to make this. And I can feel the weight of the enemy on my spirit. Like I feel it. And then she's like, sometimes I feel like quitting. Me too. It's hard, man. I just feel like quitting. 
said, Krista, I don't, I don't know what to say to you, but I need to pray. She's like, can I say something? I said, no, 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 I just, just leave. I, I got to pray. And I could feel it in my spirit. And it wasn't anger. I was like, you gotta, I got to pray. I said, I don't know. I just got to pray. So she walks out, put my face between my legs, like crunching down like, Jesus, I need you so bad for this church. Do what all you can do, God. I just need you. And a second, God tells me, grab my phone. And within 25 minutes, probably, give or take, I wrote the sermon I just preached to you. It's not a bragging thing. What I want you to see is I had nothing. And in one minute, when I ran to the closet, God can download everything he wants to say through you and do through you. And it only takes a minute. I wanted you to know, and I, and I end up, you know, reading it more, and I end up staying in the closet for two hours. But what I want you to know is, man, it's just like run to the closet. When you feel like your spirit is deflated, just run to the closet. When you feel like your marriage is on the brink, like run to the closet. Don't run. I'm not saying don't go to counseling. I'm not saying don't go talk to friends. I'm saying go to the closet first. Like go run to the closet. Matthew 6, Jesus says, prayer, he says, when you pray, in other words, I'm expecting you to, go to your closet. Go to your closet. Prayer is where you get your eyes to see and your ears to hear. This is why we have to be a church that runs to a closet. All right, wrap up. I was asked a few weeks ago by a senior pastor who planted us, Jolie's, and we were having lunch. And I was certainly facing some discouraging moments and seasons and questions just a couple months ago. And he said, Ricky, about year five into the church plant, because they're 20 years old now as a church, and land and a building and all of that. But about year five into their church plant, they were meeting in a similar, they were meeting in a school. And he said, we did a series called Relaunch. And I said, it's funny, we're in a series that we're launching called Rebuild. He said, we, we did this series called Relaunch, and I asked myself the question. He said, what would I do differently had I known what I know today in the first five years of the church plan? And that question like, just pierced me. So I need to tell you something, and I'm asking you to follow me with this as your leader and your pastor. I've been wrestling with that question so much. What would I do differently? And as the week has, weeks have progressed and this fast has progressed, I know for sure the first thing I would do differently. And my staff knows this. We talked about it. And I said to, to him now, I've said to our staff, we would be a church who prayed first. Like the amount of prayer has to be so highly elevated because when we started the church, Andrews and I and Lindsay and Carissa and some others it was like, you pray but then you get into service you know, and you say the prayer you spend two hours preparing for the service and then you pray for five minutes I spend 40 hours preparing a sermon and two hours praying about the sermon but God has flipped it over the past seven weeks, I've been praying about 30 hours a week for you and preparing for about two hours and it's just a reminder to me and to you, I hope, that we've got to be a church who prays. I heard a statement recently from a guy who I had the luxury of sitting with for a couple of weeks. He's a pastor out in Brooklyn Tabernacle, and he leads a church, uh, you know, the Tabernacle Choir in Brooklyn. And uh, 
had the privilege of sitting with him for a couple of weeks while he was here in Tampa, and he made this statement, and I hope it, I hope it, I hope it shifts something in us as a church. He says, you can tell how popular the pastor, this is what he said, you can tell how popular the pastor is by who comes on Sunday. But you can tell how popular Jesus is by who shows up to the prayer meeting. And I read it one more time so you can let it sink in and think about this. You can tell how popular the pastor is by who shows up on a Sunday. But you can tell how popular Jesus is by the people who come to the prayer meeting. I wish one thing for this church going forward. If I could change anything in five years as we rebuild this church, that the prayer meetings would be more popular than the Sunday mornings. Man, I can feel it, y'all, like how marriages in our world would shift. I hope the day we have more people in prayer than we do attending a Sunday. That's where the change takes place. I don't know how much truth there is in this line. I asked my wife to verify it. I was like, is this true? She's like, no. I said, well, I'm going to preach it anyways, but I think they'll understand. I did. This is all true. I did that lesson. Church is where we gather to worship Jesus, but our closet is where we meet him. What I mean by that is, is like, the closet is where you get to know him better. That's, that's where everything happens. What happens on Sunday is a manifestation of what happens in your life throughout the week. That's why when you show up to worship and your hands are in your pocket and your arms are folded and your mouth is closed, all it reveals to me is what happened Monday through Saturday. But I'm telling you, if you're in the closet Monday through Saturday, so to speak, and you're in his presence seven days a week, you'll show up going, come on, Jesus, let's go, let's worship, let's dance, woo! But because it's like the first taste of Jesus is on a Sunday morning at 10 a.m., and that's all we have, you're not filled walking in. You're empty walking in. I want a church to be filled when they walk in. But that's got to happen Monday through Saturday. At 9 a.m., we do our prayer as a church. As I know, it's not, but we provide child care for you. 9 a.m., we, we pray 9 to 9.30. Oh, can you imagine the difference in the change in the spiritual nature of a church if the church actually prayed? You know what the church in Acts did? Acts chapter 2, the first thing they did, devoted themselves to prayer. You know how the Holy Spirit came? Prayer. The preaching of the word came? Prayer. I pray for the day that this church will be a praying church. Like a praying church. A praying church. And I know you could do that. I want you to run to your closet this week. Run to your closet. If you're empty with the Lord, run to your closet. If you need a revive in your heart, run to the closet. You need to be set free from addiction, run to the closet. You want to find Jesus, run to the closet. Run to the closet, men. Run to the closet, ladies. Run. Run to the closet. Get with Jesus. That's all I want for you today. Jesus, thank you for this time. Would you just have a closet moment for just a second here?
You can just sing a few lines. Not the whole song, Andrews, but maybe just a few lines. Just have a closet moment here. Just breathe in. you're making right now. I'm going to run to my closet this week. I'm making the decision and I'm going to do it in front of everyone so people can see me. That's okay because I'm going I'm to run my closet. Like the decision, the reason you're standing is between you and God. Be like, I'm doing it. I'm going to run to my closet. I'm going to find it. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to run to my closet. I'm confused. I need answers on this. I need answers on direction. I need answers on this. I need, I need wisdom on this. I need how to say something, what job to take. I'm going to run to my closet. I need encouragement. I need healing. 
I'm going to run to my closet. I need a friend. I need a friend, so I'm going to run to my closet. I'm not going to run to happy hour. I'm going to run to my closet. Jesus, as you make your decisions today, I, I instill in you encouragement. Do not be afraid. Go. You have the freedom to run to your closet. Go. Be with Jesus. Get to know him better. And may he give you all the things that your heart desires. May, may he fill you with his will. May he show you revelation that you would know him better. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate Jesus in the room? Amen. So, uh, you can have a seat. We're going to close out a few announcements I need to make. First, if this is your first time here, thank you for being here. We know it's hot. It's like we're actually in a closet. Thank you, Jesus, for the extra illustration. We get it. Now let us go back into our building. Uh, so today we are tearing down in here. We're moving everything back into the auditorium. So if you have a few extra minutes today, would really help out. Um, we could, that's, that's the guy that's going to do it by himself if you don't. <laughs> so... Uh, but seriously, if you have a few extra minutes, just hang around. Talk to Rick. He's right here. Hey, what can I do to help? I mean, even if you only have five minutes and then get going, five minutes will help. Uh, we got to take all this stuff and move it back in the auditorium. So if you can stick around for that, it'd be great. If it's your first time here, hey, it's who we are. We're so glad you're here at Brave with us. We hope you join us back next week. On the connection card that you have in your seat, fill that out. Uh, there's a box that says first time. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to call you. And we're going to text you maybe, and that's it. And we just want to say hello, get to know you, get to know your story. We're not going to overwhelm you with all kinds of crazy stuff. We just make a phone call. We just say hello. We have a free gift, a t-shirt we'll give you. And hey, we're here for you. That, that's all it comes down to. So we will please, please, please pop that connection card. Take it out to Brave Central, uh, which is this little table, I think, out there in the lobby area. Or there's one outside that door that should be there. Um, if you have questions about that, just ask one of our volunteers and hey, where can I turn this in? And we'll get you your t-shirt and your gift and just say hello, welcome you to the church couple of dates. All right. This is it. So here's the dates. These are the things you need to take up, think about, take, take with you. All right. Uh, on August the 15th, we're doing a meet brave. So that is for all of those who are here for the first time. You've been coming for a while. We have a big lunch together. And then I talk a little bit about the vision of the church and how long we've been here, where we're going, what we're doing. Uh, that's kind of the heart uh, shared. You get to meet the staff and some of the leaders here at the church. And so it's our time to get to know you and you get to know us. And so that's Meet Brave. We would love for have you join us for that lunch. That's going to take place on August the 15th, which is a Sunday, right after service. It'll probably be in here. We'll be in there, but the lunch will be in here. It will not be this hot. Um, and so, but uh, anyways, we'll have a lunch together. And, and get to know you and your family. And so and you get to meet one another. It's a lot of fun. So August the 15th, Meet Brave. To sign up for that, put it on your connection card. Just write Meet Brave. And, and we'll make sure we get you a part of that count so we have all the food that we need. And child care is provided for that. Men, we're doing a golf outing on August the 22nd. So let me talk to the men who love golf. This is not for you. This is for the men who are terrible so that we, so, so that we have a chance, okay? So if you're great at golf, don't come. Or if you come, don't bring your clubs. Just coach us. Um, no, so for our, our men, we want to gather. Men, just have some fun, play some golf. You do not have to be phenomenal. 
to, to, to come play. This is not a tournament, okay? This is going to just have some fun, get to know some men. On August the 22nd, that's a Sunday, after we tear down the church and stuff, we'll probably tee off right here at Fox Hollow, which is like right down the street. It's a really nice course. Uh, we're going to charge a minimal fee. I don't know the fee of it yet, but it's probably going to be around 25 or 20 bucks. Normally, you pay 40 bucks there or so. So, uh, so anyways, but uh, if you want to be a part of that, we just need you to register. Like, so you take your connection card, write men's golf, on the back, and then we'll make sure we sign you up for that. So the connection card is the way you sign up for that. Take that over to Brave Central. I can't be more clear than that. I think you can sign up for it online as well. Uh, you can go to our website and see if it's there. I think it should be there. Um, I, I was told it'd be up. So if it's not, just sign up physically. So that's August 22nd. Prayer every Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. We'd love to have you praying with us. Show up at 9 a.m. with child care is provided for you from 9 to 9.30. Pray with us as a church. That would be great. Also, Finally, this is a big one, community group leaders. Uh, we're going to be launching our community group starting in the fall again. If you're interested in hosting a group this season, you're like, ah, I think we'd love to help put up my house to people and gather with people, meet new people in my neighborhood, and you're interested in that, I need you to do something. Take the Connect card in your seat. This is why that connection card is like for all things. Put your name on it and just write group leader. Okay, group leader interest. It's not like you're making the commitment. You're just saying, I'm interested in what this is and what, what, what I got to do about it and that kind of a thing. So if you're interested in that, please let me know. I need to, I'll be having some phone calls with you and talk and we'll gather and, uh, and talk about what that looks like. So if you're just interested, that's the best thing you can do to sign up. You take that connect card and again, turn it in at Brave Central. Or if you really want to talk to anybody, drop it in one of the gift bins. We'll get it either way. Okay. Um, and then that's it. So if you brought your tithes and offerings, thank you so much for your obedience to Christ. You can give on their way out or you can give online or text it in. Thank you for that as well. Hey, I love you. I know I've taken your time today. Thank you so much. I love you. I love you. I love you. God bless you. May God's face shine upon you and keep you close. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. See you.